This episode of Reality Escape Pod is brought to you by Morty, virtual escape games, and Patreon supporters like you. Welcome to the Reality Escape Pod, your lifeline when you need a getaway from the real world. I'm David Spira, alongside my co-host, PG Law. Together, we're exploring immersive gaming from all angles, and we'll be joined by guests who really know their stuff. Today's guest is escape room scenic and costume designer, Hilary Manning. You can see her co-starring as the puzzle expert on the streaming series, Create the Escape on Peacock. Welcome, Hillary. Hi, how's it going? Going great. So happy to have you on. I am so excited to be here. I feel like it's been a long time coming. That's how I feel, too. You've kind of been sitting on a list for a long time. And yeah, I've been really wanting to make this happen because we both have some shared history with this show. Hillary and I worked together on the pilot episode for Create the Escape way back in 2019. I did a lot of production consulting and a bit of support on the puzzle side. Part of that was introducing them to a few folks who I thought would be good on camera with the kids. And you were one of those people. Before we dive into things, can you tell us about the show Create the Escape? Yeah. So Create the Escape is a show where we help children develop escape rooms for their parents. So the first two thirds of the show are us working with the kids to develop puzzles, figure out the set, figure out the story they want to tell, work with them to help make it a fully fleshed out project. And then we have the parents actually go through the room. And if the parents escape, then they win. And if they don't, the kids do. And when we say the kids are making these escape rooms, they're not like cardboard boxes and stuff. These end up being very fleshed out productions. They're pretty. Yeah, we have a full art department and scenic department building out very realistic sets for each one of the different ideas. So, for example, the haunted schoolhouse, it genuinely looks like a haunted schoolhouse. We have professional scenic artists going in and painting all of the tiles on the walls and we have smoke effects and a lot of things to really make these rooms come to life. They look incredibly cool. They're not built to escape room durability standards because they pretty much only have to be played once, but they look like the real thing. They look better than most, I'd say. Yeah, I would agree. I think the biggest difference between the rooms that we created on the show and like your standard escape room, other than the fact that it's a flat construction, like a, a scenic flat constructing on the walls, it's that we don't really have any technology in the rooms since... There is not a repeat factor. There was no sense in having any sort of magnetic lock or any put your hand here and it actually has a touch sensor. It's all done by the kids backstage. So any doors that have to open, the kids pull the doors open. Any button that gets pressed, there's someone in a control room, a kid who's going to be pressing the button to actually do the thing. And that was actually one of my contributions to the show was uh, convincing them that they did not need an Arduino expert to do this stuff. And that's a great idea, though, because for all the kids watching at home, it makes it accessible, right? This is mm -hmm. something that I could potentially do myself, maybe just on a smaller scale, but I could still do it. It's not intimidating. Yeah. And I've heard from some kids who have watched the show and then say, oh, my gosh, now I have an idea for an escape room. Can someone help me make this escape room? And it is really, really cool knowing that kids have watched the show and immediately say, hey, I can also design puzzles. That's a thing that people do. 
so I'm just going to jump ahead in our questions because this is a perfect segue. I asked a few puzzle-loving kids to watch Create the Escape, and they had some questions for you. Okay. The first few are from Talia, who is age nine. Does Hillary think of all the puzzles, or do the kids actually help with the puzzles? It's definitely both. So the kids come in with a idea of what the story for the room is going to be. And then we talk back and forth with the producers and puzzle designers to figure out what sort of puzzles would live inside that world. And if a kid has a very specific puzzle that they know they want to have happen, then we make sure that that does make it into it. I love that. How long does that entire process usually take? Uh, a very long time. For each episode, we have multiple interviews with each set of kids. So we are able to talk to them with the producers and puzzle designers to figure out what they want to have in it. And then it's a continuing set of those interviews to try to narrow down what the puzzles are. Once we have a set of five general puzzles that we want to go with, we can workshop those with the puzzle team to figure out how to make them streamlined for a 30 minute game. Is that part of the audition process is like they already have their proposed puzzles and everything ready? Does that make it easier? Some of them did, but I want to say most of them don't. Most of the kids, as long as you come in with an idea of what sort of game you want, what sort of story, we can help you develop the puzzles from there. My impression, at least from the pilot, was that they were much more keen on finding kids who were animated and could express themselves well mm -hmm. and they could be coached and helped and guided along the rest of the process. It's way harder to go and teach a kid to have that presence. True. You can't fake personality. <laughs> oh, editing makes wonders. <laughs> <laughs> the next question I have from Talia was, how does design expert Russell pick which things to make with the kids on camera? The biggest thing that we had to figure out for actually filming the projects is what makes good TV, right? So the bigger, flashier projects are more appropriate for television. They translate better for television. Or for some of the younger kids, if they don't have the dexterity to use power tools, we're going to focus more on doing uh, little kind of craft projects. So it depends on the kids. It depends on what is visually appealing for TV and obviously depends on what needs to go inside of the room. Makes a lot of sense. Last question from Talia was, and this, this one I, I feel like might be a little bit loaded. Can any kids be the creators? What is the age limit and how are the kids picked? Okay. We have a casting agency that we worked with for the show. All of the kids who were cast for the show were from the Atlanta area, so just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, which is where we filmed the show. Any kid is able to be on it. I think we had kids ranging from age 8 to age 17. The target age, I would say, is probably closer to like 8 to 14. But because of COVID, we wanted to make sure that all of the people who were in the show were part of a pod already, so we didn't have any sort of COVID concerns. No stranger pairs were put together for it. It was all siblings or all cousins who were already in that bubble together. Makes sense. I have one question from Liana, who is age six and has the exact same question that I have. Does the mystery prize box have anything in it? I am not at liberty to confirm or deny that. Okay. Because <laughs> I found myself at the end of every episode mm -hmm 
looking at that box like Brad Pitt in Seven, just like screaming, what's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> Wait, okay, what's the mystery prize box? And has it never been opened on air? No, the mystery prize box, the actual box itself is empty. The kids are able to go back and pick out prizes from an area in the back. There are prizes for the kids. Obviously, we're not lying about that. But the box that is on screen, I didn't actually ever peek at it myself, but it is empty. It's just for show so we can have the moment of the visual prize box. So this is the prize that the kids win if their parents do not escape the room. Yes. And apparently the parents also get something from the prize box if they win. Honestly, the producers took care of most of that. I <laughs> I know that there was a, a bin of prizes in the producer's office and I wanted to steal things from it all the time, but no one would let me. I apparently <laughs> didn't win myself, so. How often do the parents escape? I want to say we had about a 50% success. I think it was about 50%, but it was yeah. very backloaded on the season. Like the first mm. four or five episodes, they just were always losing, which right. I found discouraging. I, yeah, we filmed in a very different order from what made the final cut. I was really surprised when I watched it and I was like, we filmed that episode last. Why is it on second? We may do that with this podcast also. <laughs> <laughs> a while listen back and be like, oh my goodness. I didn't say that first. Oh, no, no. We don't change the order of things in the episode, but this is one of the last episodes we'll be recording for the season. I think there's like one or two left, but uh -huh. this will be airing in the middle. Yeah, I want to say the first episode that is on is like with the last or second to last. Anyway, when we actually were running the escape rooms, the producers were very concerned about what our win-loss ratio is. And they also were very concerned about like making sure that the very first game that we did, the parents won. And the very first game that we filmed was the pirate ship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the last or second to last one in the actual yeah. airing. But they were very much like, got to make sure that this puzzle is solvable. We have to make sure the parents are able to win. And yeah, it was very strange for how much focus there was during the filming process about getting the right win-loss ratio and making, obviously, like we don't, we never forced to win. Like, mm -hmm. however many hints is however many hints they get. But producers definitely got a little antsy if we had too many wins or too many losses. So it was weird that they filmed them in that order, but then showed them in a different order. I don't know. Huh. Do you guys beta test? Yes, we absolutely beta tested. We have a, a full puzzle team. And as we were doing the prep work for each one of the episodes, myself and the other co-hosts would go in and we would test each puzzle individually. So if we had any sort of concerns, there were a couple puzzles where I was like, hey, buddy, that's not a puzzle. And he's like, ah, you're right. Let me change that and make it an actual puzzle. Do you test with other people who are new to this type of game, to escape rooms, just to get a sense of difficulty? Which I feel like difficulty is always a very hard thing to gauge if you're not beta testing a lot across the wide spectrum of players. Yes, and yes. So each one of the individual puzzles gets tested by a bunch of different people on production to make sure that the puzzle is solvable in roughly four to five minutes, right? Five puzzles, 30 minutes, five each. That gets you still five minutes to get out. So the whole game, once it's assembled, the day before we film the actual escape episode, we have people who are on the production team who didn't help create that exact game run through it. So we have however many bodies are going to be actually playing the game. We put that many people inside play through it, and if they have any stuck points, we can smooth that out before the actual parents go into play. 
ultimately you're still designing for an audience of one team. Mm -hmm. So there's a certain amount of struggle in terms of beta testing for something like that, because it's not like a regular escape room where you're like, oh, you know what? We'll just get the average where like 80% of the people are solving this. That doesn't work when it only really is being played once. Which is one of the most stressful parts of it, right? Like you want the teams to be able to get 90% of the way without too much struggle, but it's really hard to know how one exact team is going to play any given game. We're taking a moment to thank our sponsor, Morty. Morty is a free app for discovering, planning, tracking, and reviewing your escape rooms and other immersive social outings. I believe in it so much that I have a stake in it as an advisor. PG, I have been tracking my escape rooms in a spreadsheet since day one. And knowing you, you're a little bit more chaotic than me. I don't think you've been tracking, have you? Okay, David. You know, I am not a spreadsheet kind of gal, okay? <laughs> uh, I have actually never tracked any of my escape rooms that I've ever played. I, I made like a small attempt at a list once, but it was so tedious. I'd have to type out the name of the escape room and that's if I even remembered it because somebody else is booking it for me. You have to list down all the people you played with, the dates, etc., etc. It was just too much for me. One of the best parts about Morty is that if your friends have played an escape room with you, they can tag you in it. And now, I don't even have to do any work. It'll show up automatically as played in my list. But honestly, it's so easy. You just find the rooms nearby where you live and you just swipe. You, you swipe and then it shows up as played. It's the easiest way to keep track of your escape rooms. You can learn more at mortyapp.com slash repod. That's R-E-P-O-D to sign up and get a special badge for our listeners. Link and details in the show notes. The format from the pilot to the full season had adjusted only slightly, and it was mostly in this win-loss structure where the kids win if the parents lose and vice versa. How much tension was born out of that? Because that, that felt, I don't know, not exactly what escape room design is usually going for. Do you mean tension between the kids and the parents? Tension between the kids and the parents. Like how much were the kids rooting for their parents versus rooting against their parents? Oh, they rooted against their parents so hard, so hard. The amount of bribery that went into getting kids to look excited when their parents win. Let me tell you, there were more than one like, oh, if you smile for the camera, we'll get you an iPad. <laughs> wow. OK, I had a feeling that had to be going on because they are really pitted against each other. And that, that was the one thing that I was like, I really love the way that the season's feeling, but that tension feels like it doesn't need to be there. I think it needs to be there in terms of you want the kids to feel invested in making hard puzzles and in mm -hmm. stumping their parents and feeling pride and ownership over the game that they're creating. So on one hand, I do think you need to have some sort of animosity between the parents and the kids just to get that back and forth. But it definitely got complicated as my team, we're running the actual game. That's not just for cameras, like we are running the game. And so I'm sitting there and I'm saying, all right, well, they need this hint because this is the part of the puzzle they're stuck on. And the kids are like, what if I don't? I want them to lose. What if I give them the wrong hint? And I'm like, you can't do that. That's not a fair game. <laughs> 
I'd give him a prize for every time the parents need to take a hint and then give the whole family a prize if everybody escapes. Incentivize both ends. You know, if we get a season two. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great idea, because I will say, and I don't, it's probably David training me on this podcast, but also through all our discussions to be like, I don't know, I, I, I just really hate always hearing about the adversarial attitude between Game Master and the player. So that was weird when I watched it and I was like, oh, they get a prize if they can make a game where the people can't escape. Yeah. That goes against everything that we believe on this podcast. Although I understand that for a show, you have to have conflict, even minor kids versus parents. And that's why I think for a kid's show, that would make sense. But for any other escape room, a game master's job is to help the people get as far as possible. And that's absolutely not what we were doing on the show. Yeah, that was the one part where I was just like, I definitely felt the tension there. But overall, it feels like a fun space to be playing in and trying to figure out how to productively create that tension. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel negative, though. Watching it, I was rooting for both sides. Like when they would stumble and the, the kids are cheering, like I kind of root for the kids. But then when the parents get excited, you kind of root for the parents still. So I, I think you guys handled it very well. I love it when the families escape. The thing that I loved in the pilot that I really felt was missing was at the end, affection between the parents and the kids. That was the thing that I really wanted to see at the end of every episode. I was like, I love this. I want them to all leave happy. And I think for the most part, everyone leaves happy. There are some kids who got a little too into the competition aspect. But in the control room, I'm reminding the kids the whole time, we want the parents to have fun. The number one thing, other than obviously stumping them, is making sure that your parents have a fun time. Yeah, and you really held it down in the control room. And I (laughs) I thought that the control room perspective, I think, is so it's one of the things that makes the show work really well. And you're really in there just making sure that everybody knows what's going on throughout this. It feels like a really important part of the show. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I love running escape rooms. And so it was nice to be able to show the kids how to run an escape room like it's not just about the puzzles and it's not just about the set but the actual playthrough of the game itself is just as an important part so working with the kids to figure out when the time to give a hint is what makes a good hint and yeah how to make sure the parents have the most fun was really enjoyable for me you could feel that do the families have they had experience playing escape rooms before it doesn't matter at all the number one thing was making sure that the kids are enjoyable to watch so if they happen to have any escape room experience that's awesome and if not no worries the episodes with teenagers have a really different vibe from the ones with tweens or younger kiddos not necessarily better or worse but certainly different i'm curious how much are you having to adapt with the age of the kids for the show A lot. Everything changes when the kids are older or younger from the activities that we're able to do with them to the way that you interact with them. So I'm not going to talk to a 17 year old the same way I'm going to talk to a 12 year old. They're very different. And yeah, that was definitely one of the challenges of figuring out what you could do with a 17 year old that doesn't feel too juvenile for them, but still works for TV. What's the turnaround time on a given episode how much time are you able to spend in concepting how much time is there for the build out because it's a 22 minute episode and it's all tv magic so the pre-production obviously takes several months before we even start production 
the producers and everyone are talking to the kids, figuring out the general overview of each episode, figuring out the story and the concepts. The actual physical production of each episode is about two weeks. That's it. We had two teams, A team and B team. The A team would be physically constructing all of the flats and doing any pre-production work they can back in the scene shop, while B team is on set assembling whatever they had made last week. So one filming week for me would look like on Monday, we have a pre-production meeting. We talk through the whole script. Tuesday, we're going to film the first half of the episode. The scenic team is building out in the set area. Wednesday, we had more meetings and the scene would be built out more. The kids are finally able to go on. Thursday, we film many scenes that happen to be on the half-built set. Friday, we are doing the playtest uh, of the room with other strangers. And then Saturday, the parents come in and they play the uh, episode. And then it's all struck that night, so we are ready to go again. <laughs> it's very tight. I know from recording the pilot, it was incredible how fast everything went. And it yeah. was amazing to watch the scenic artists and the speed that they were able to work at to get these things stood up. I was like, I was here yesterday and there was nothing here. Mm -hmm. And now there's a spaceship. And we were working at that same speed, but double the teams so that we could have one team building out the next week's set while the current team is working on it. So we had our two set designers, Tabitha and Jen, and they were behind the scenes working with their art departments and with their individual scenic crews to do all of the work ahead of time. Very cool. What kinds of designs can you do for television that you can't put into real life escape rooms? Because you're also a, a real life escape room designer. So for television, we really focused on doing big things, one-off things, messy things, mm -hmm. I rewatched the uh, the school episode in advance of this, and that's the one that's coming to mind. But we had the science experiment in the school, and that's not something you can do in a regular escape room because you can't go in, re-clean up all of these chemicals between each game. And when we say chemicals, this is like kitchen chemistry. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we made elephant's toothpaste, and we also did that with the kids, which is basically it's baking soda, vinegar, and dish soap to make the bubbles as they expand and come out. But that's not something you'd put into an actual escape room because one, it didn't unlock anything. It didn't actually do anything. It was just, congrats, you finished your lesson, move on. But that's a thing that's really good for TV because it is the visual of, hey, look at this beautiful chemistry explosion. Hey, ding, 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 you get to move on now. like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Virtual Escape Games. Virtual Escape Games specializes in virtual team building adventures for teams anywhere around the globe, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, David, I think one of the most amazing things that emerged from quarantine was all of the friends I made through playing games online together. I truly believe that playing virtual games and puzzles brings people together, even if they're scattered all over the world. And Virtual Escape Games specializes in online adventures. They've got charming, energetic hosts, really fun, nostalgic themes from different time periods, and they can even scale from teams of six up to 6,000 players. I truly think that playing games together is the best way to build bonds. For non-hosted games, one to six players, you can get 20% off using the code REA20. 
and for your team building adventures, you can also knock off 20% with the code TB20. All of this is available for you at virtualescapegames.com. These details are in the show notes. So for you, what's the most fun part of designing games for TV? I think that the challenge of figuring out what is going to be a fun puzzle both to play and to watch is the most interesting part. It really is a balance between how do I make this puzzle cerebrally satisfying for the players and visually satisfying, and that's a really fun balance to try to strike. Yeah, I think you've done a really nice job with it. I remember in the production meetings that I was in drilling home how the difference between a puzzle that's fun to solve and a puzzle that's fun to watch, they're almost two completely different things. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that had me the most nervous about the show from the get-go was there's a lot of puzzles that are just brutally boring to watch people solve. Yeah, we had a behind the scenes puzzle designer challenge producer. His name is Will, and he also does challenges for Survivor. So I think you can see that come across as well, having the physical tactile nature that you'd maybe see more in a Survivor challenge. They got a a lot of slide puzzles and a lot Uh of anagrams and a lot of (laughs) jigsaw puzzles. Let's change gears a little bit. You've worked for a couple of different escape room companies Most recently, you were the manager over at Beat the Bomb in Brooklyn, which is a very cool and unusual concept where players are racing through puzzle challenges to earn time in a final challenge to disarm a paint bomb that really does explode and cover you in paint. It's an awesome game. For your collection of skills, escape rooms feel like a perfect industry for you. How did you find your way into the space? I absolutely lucked into it. In college, I played at Escape the Room. It was the first and at that time only escape room in New York City. And I just remember turning to them there and saying, hey, do you guys need a set designer? And they're like, not really. We just hired someone, which was Rita of Post Curious. (laughs) And I wound up getting in contact with them later and getting the job as the game runner. And so I absolutely just happened to walk into a space where they needed people. And I said, hi, I can be that person for you. And that's the same way I wound up working at Beat the Bomb. I walked in and I said, there's a lot of work that needs to be done around here. Do y'all need a manager? And they said, yeah, we actually do. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Take initiative. What made you offer to do set design? Is that what you were doing before? Yeah. So my degree is in set design uh, for theater. So I really focus on things from that, like visual interactive, what does the space make you feel? What does the space make you think? And I haven't done any set design since college because I moved into doing puzzles and more experiential things. And like right now, I'm working on the design for a virtual reality escape room, which I think is going to be fun. Okay, so then you said you went back and you started working puzzle design. In the meanwhile, had you been doing a lot of that on the side for fun, for friends? I've always done a little bit of puzzle design for friends, making scavenger hunts for friends or just like little puzzles. But I was doing a little bit of the puzzle design work over at Escape the Room. When they were working on corporate events, I would be able to be tagged in and work on the puzzles for that, the overall design for it, so we could ship that out to our manufacturers to actually make. Do you think that your puzzle design style changes when you're designing puzzles for families like you are for the show versus a regular escape room versus for corporate team building events? Are there very distinct styles between all of them? 
absolutely any sort of puzzle that you make bespoke for a certain event or group of people needs to have a different feel. Different people are going to want to have different types of puzzles given. So for example, for Escape the Room, one of the events that I was doing the puzzle design for was a like Escape the Bathroom. It was for an IBS company for a corporate exchange. And we really wanted them to be like locked in bathroom stalls and have to sit down on the toilets because it's funny <laughs> and then do various puzzles inside of it. But they can't be too hard. The puzzle itself, it's at a trade show, has to last only a certain amount of time. So being able to design within those very specific constraints versus I designed an escape room for a summer camp. And it was run for three days inside of a haunted house. And I said, great, we're actually running it at a haunted house. I'm going to make a haunted house. And it was fun to be able to design for groups of six going through a haunted house. And I have three stories that I can play with. And I don't necessarily need a lot of technology because I can manually do things. It's very different design styles. What's your dream escape room design project? If someone gave you a giant budget to make whatever amazing thing was in your head, what do you want to make? I would love to make a longer form puzzle immersive storytelling experience. Think all of the set and wonder of Meow Wolf, but with puzzles that you actually need to be able to solve to be able to move into different spaces. I would love to be able to make a puzzle that you send 30 people inside of a room and what people do in one half of the game affects it on the other half of the game. And you maybe don't understand why until later. I think that would be so awesomely cool. And the scale of it is just so extreme, but that's, that's what I would love to make. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> Hey folks, I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about something that I've been working on with a bunch of people from the team over here for years. We've been wanting to host Recon, the Reality Escape convention in person in Boston for a very long time. And circumstances have halted that effort, but not this year, we're doing it. August 21st and 22nd of 2022, in Boston, Recon is happening. We are blending Escape Room Conference with the tours we've been producing for years to produce a proper Escape Room convention. You'll meet people, you'll play games, you'll hear wonderful talks. It's gonna be a great time, and I truly hope that you come and join us. Tickets for Recon are available now. You can learn more at realityescapecon.com. Details in the show notes. You're a talented and prolific cosplayer. Let's explore that a little bit. Okay. How do you decide what costumes to make for yourself? Oh, I look at art and if I think it's pretty, I say, I want to make that. I gravitate towards strong characters. I like to show off muscles. I like to cosplay characters that people look at and you're like, wow, I want to be beat up by that person. Um <laughs> But also, I really just love making beautiful, intricate things and sometimes cursed things. Right now, I'm working on a Furby queen dress. Think Cruella DeVille has skinned a bunch of Furbies, stitched them together into a gown to wear to the opera. And that's what I'm working on. That sounds horrifying. Thank you. <laughs> I 
love that. So I only, admittedly, I was able to watch the one episode of Create uh-huh. the Escape, but I did notice that for the parents, you gave them like a vest to wear. Do the parents get like a little kind of costumey thing for every episode or was it just that one in particular? Yeah, I believe every single episode, the parents got things. In the AI airplane episode, they got very Matrix-esque trench They look super Matrix-y. They also, the parents on that episode walked away with like the little key cards that you plug in at the end that light up. And I really wanted to take one home and the parents took them all before anyone else could get one. It was very sad. (laughs) But yes, every episode... The parents get some sort of thing to wear to really involve them with the set and with the story. I love when escape rooms would have costumes and props and allow Mm -hmm. me to cosplay a little bit and get into character and into the mood. The only other game I can think of that does that is Escape My Room down in New Orleans, where at the beginning, if you want, you can put on some of their dress up clothes to really feel like you're a part of that time period and a part of their space. Yeah, beat the bomb technically does it. True. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that's actually very true. At the beginning of Beat the Bomb, you have to dress up in like these white Tyvek coveralls. It's PPE. <laughs> it is. It's absolutely PPE. Now that we all know what that is. Yeah. But then you rip it up during the actual playthrough of the game. So you have to like put on a second layer of protective equipment at the very end anyway. So there's no point game-wise, of having you wear the PPE the entire time, other than the fact that it really puts you in that scenario and it makes you feel like the whole game has consequences. When it comes to creating your own costumes, are you a create-all-the-things type, or are there things that you don't make and you have friends who who, who do? I am a create 90%. Some things I just can't be bothered and I'll buy it online, so I have a couple school uniforms that are specific for things and i said i'm not going to bother making a school uniform i can get it for 30 dollars online and not worry about it but i really focus on the larger more creative builds i don't do any wigs i try and i'm not good at them i get friends i trade my skills with friends for wigs but yeah i know from my adventures in helping run comic conventions way back in the day that there are good and not so good ways for a person to interact with a cosplayer. What's good etiquette? What are some ways you want people to approach you? And what are some things that you wish would never happen again? I love it when people know the costume or respect the craftsmanship. People coming up and saying, wow, you look awesome. Can I take a picture of you or even take a picture with you is always totally acceptable. The problem line is if people come up and think that they can touch you or think that they have a right to a certain amount of your time when Mm. you're trying to get somewhere, that's always crossing a line that's not so friendly. But that sort of conduct honestly doesn't happen that much anymore, especially to me. Most cons have done a really good job the last couple of years pushing the cosplay is not consent and beefing up security and support teams for cosplayers to make sure that unwanted conduct doesn't happen. I am glad to hear that. Get those cover hands ready. Like, I'm wearing an all-white suit. Really? You think touching me is appropriate? Get off of me. Stop it. (laughs) Changing gears once again. Uh Uh-huh. Tell me about your adventures in Prague at the Puzzle Cocktail Bar Alchemist. Genuinely, one of the best experiences of my puzzle life. So I went to Prague with two of my dearest friends, Rita and Teresa. Both of whom have been guests on this show. Uh Uh-huh. 
we make a delightful trio and we travel around places to play a lot of puzzles. And we went to Prague. We went to the Alchemist Bar, which if you haven't been, you should absolutely go. The cocktails are mostly fantastic. They also have a hidden puzzle. So at the very beginning of their menu, there is a little poem which tells you, hey, there are puzzles here. Ask for a mystery cocktail. We'll do like a roulette style. You get a cocktail, you get a puzzle card. And it will lead you to another one of the cocktail bars in the city. And so we order like six of them. Each of us order one there and then we get a puzzle card telling us to go to another bar. But it's getting late and Rita and Teresa want to go back to the hotel. And we're only in Prague for 48 hours. And I say, I'm not ready to go to bed yet. I want to go to these cocktail bars. So I take the cards and it is... 9.45 at night and the bars close at 10 and it is pouring down rain. It is super dark in Prague and I don't know where I'm going, but alone, soaking wet, running through Prague, trying to make it to the next cocktail bar on the list in search of puzzles so that I can play them with my friends when we get back to the Airbnb. It's just one of the most joyous memories I have of that trip and of Prague. Puzzle hero. My favorite thing to do is wander (laughs) drunk and lost through a foreign city. (laughs) It was just magical. (laughs) You've traveled quite a bit for escape rooms, and I think mostly with Teresa and Rita. Mm -hmm. Where have been your favorite places to play escape rooms? Obviously, Berlin, the room, all of their games are fantastic. And Chris Latner was also a guest on this show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so jealous. It's like the escape room world is small or something. (laughs) Weird how that happens. Yeah, going to Europe to play escape rooms was just special from start to finish. The puzzles are going to be different there than they are in the States. So that's just an entirely different experience. That was really fun. Where else? New Orleans. That was also a very good trip. I think the overall quality of rooms in the NOLA area and down there was really superb. If you have to pick one favorite, what's your favorite game? Oh, my favorite game. You can't do pick this your favorite to me. child. Oh, God. I see. I feel like I'm apart from the rest of the community in that I don't keep a very good record of games I've played. So... I technically have a spreadsheet, but I'm years behind in updating it. You got to use Morty. I'm going to give a shout out. Morty's our sponsor this season, but honestly, I never tracked escape rooms and Morty actually makes it really easy to do it. And I started using it and, and I started tracking everything because of that. I will have to give it a try because I can't be bothered to pull up a Google sheet every time I play an escape room. Morty.com slash repod. <laughs> Free shout outs here. But the other cool part is that your friends who have played with you can tag you in them. So you don't even have to track yourself. That's the part that gets me. We're like, I normally just go into Rita's spreadsheet and then copy all the games that we've done together and put them on my list. Yeah. Just tell her to start adding you on Morty and then you don't even have to do anything. Yeah. Oh, gosh, though. Number one escape room that I've played. I feel like the room that always comes to mind first is it's on my wall over here. The Lost Treasure at the room. I love that game so much. Just start to finish the immersion from when you're going through the tiny little crack in the wall to entering the most beautiful, elaborate and yet somehow indestructible space. They did a really good job of balancing the details in the room with knowing what you're able to interact with and making it not breakable. And plus the puzzles just from start to finish, I thought were fantastic. I think that was the first game where I truly felt like Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it did a really good job of telling the story while also letting you really explore. It was so cool. 
Fantastic. What comes next for you, Hillary? As I mentioned earlier, I'm working on a virtual reality escape room. We are still in like very wildly pre-production days, but I've got a team that I'm working on it with, which is very exciting. We're going to be making basically a series of rooms that are going to be expanding and really breaking reality. And I'm hoping to make something that you absolutely couldn't make in real life through that lens of virtual reality. That's the way to do it. Use the medium properly. Listen, if you can't do it in real life, that's what I want to do in VR. I'm right there with you. Are these going to be games that the consumer can like buy and play at home or the type that would be like licensed commercially? No, they would be ones that you can play at home. I'm hoping to start with three standalone games that work together in one overarching world just to be able to get that out there. And then we'll see how those go and then add more rooms into the same world to help really flesh it out and build onto it. Where can people find you on social media? All right. I have a cosplay Instagram. So if you want to see all of my creations and shenanigans over there, you can find me at shiny like the sun over on Instagram. (laughs) Hillary, thank you so very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Oh my goodness. Of course. I'm so happy we were able to get together. The Reality Escape Pod is produced by Lisa Spira, edited by Steve Ewing of Stand Inside Media, and brought to you by RoomEscapeArtist.com, your home for well-researched, rational, and reasonably humorous escape room and immersive gaming content and events. I'd like to take a minute to talk to y'all from the heart. PG and I put a lot into making all of these episodes, as do the team that is off microphone. My wife, Lisa, Steve, our editor, put a ton into producing this podcast. All of this is made possible because of the support from our Patreon community. That financial support allows us to invest in the production value of what we're making and allows us to inch our way towards making this into a proper career. It's hard to monetize content these days, and our Patreon community really does allow us to do that and we're really trying to grow. So we put out extra bonus episodes for our patrons. We have a spoilers club for higher level backers. We've got a Discord chat, and we're always adding new things to the mix for our patrons. So if you love what we're doing, please consider supporting us. It means more than you could ever imagine. And you'll get a whole bunch of extra content too. Thank you again to all our patrons. If you aren't one, I hope you become one. Speaking of our Patreon supporters, I want to take a moment to thank some of our highest level backers. This podcast would not exist without your support. Thank you so much to Breakout Games, Derek Tam, Jonathan Driscoll, Byron Delmonico, Paula Swan, Rex Miller, and Scott Olson. Thank you so much for your support. During the pandemic, I was playing a trapped puzzle escape room with Teresa and Rita, the casino one. It's a audio only, some visuals through Discord. At the very beginning of this game, we are told you are going into a casino. You need to dress the part. You have an unlimited wardrobe in front of you. What do you put on your body and wear? And Teresa immediately, without a single pause, says, a shark costume, obviously. And so without breaking a sweat, we all don our animal onesies and we walk into this casino. And from then on, we are just these fabulous adorned creatures walking through an otherwise very 
like somber person to person like I'm talking with the person over there and they're like ah oh, you're wearing something weird and I said yes I am but yeah every time I play a audio specific escape room with Teresa she says how can I break this game without actually breaking it I want to wear the shark onesie <laughs> <laughs>